You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show, Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. It's Calgary Flames game day. They are back home, away from the outdoors, back at the Dome, welcoming the 5-1-1 Dallas Stars. Yeah, this Dallas Stars group is great, and we, uh, we're privileged to be joined by Owen Newkirk, Dallas Stars radio host over on the ticket down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, FC Dallas play-by-play. Owen, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Hi, Patrick. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Oh, man. I bet, you know what? I'm, I bet you are doing well. With this Dallas Stars start, they're 5-1-1. One, one. From what I've seen, you know, yeah, it's, it's you know they've had some, you know, the Columbus game was a little rough in there, but you made it through, got the 5-3 win, but you're putting together the wins. It's one of the best starts in team's history. Just how's the, where they're picking it up where they left off last year, you know, and there's a lot of motivation, I'm sure. Yeah, the weird thing is is that the team really hasn't hit their stride yet, and that's a scary thought yeah. when you just rattle off the numbers like their record and the results they're getting. They're getting points. That's a good thing. You don't ever complain about that, but the closest thing we've seen to a 60-minute performance was against Columbus, and they even had to struggle at times because the Blue Jackets got a couple of goals that kind of buttered and squirted their way in. Yeah. They were they were down after the first period when they were playing a pretty good game, and then, you know, over time they wore Columbus down, and they're a young team, the Blue Jackets, and I, I think you started to see that as the, the game progressed. But uh, that was the first time we've seen – them really look like they have – here's the thing. We talk, I talked to, to – not just me, but our, our media group and broadcasters were talking to Pete DeBoer yesterday mm-hmm. before the team left for Calgary. And one of the things that I brought up to Pete is that typically when we talk about having forward depth on a good team, you say, well, it's great because you don't know which line is going to drive the offense that night. And that's usually the case, right? One line's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. It might not be the same line every night. On Monday, all the lines were good. And that's the scary thing. And he, he looked back and said, that's what our goal is. He goes, we're working towards that because that's what we saw was so successful for Vegas in winning the cup last year is that it wasn't just, well, we don't know which line's going to be the one that's good tonight. It's that it could be all four. And it was the closest we've seen so far to that in the first seven games. Now, they they fall in, in game six last year in the Western Conference Final to the eventual champs. Not saying like they're, they've got the whole Edmonton Cup or bus type deal around them, but I do feel like this team also carries itself with a, a very business, workmanlike uh, approach. But does it feel that if a Stanley Cup final isn't reached with the, the success they've had of late, does it feel like it's a bit of a disappointment? Yeah, I think so. And and it's not to sound overly confident. This is a good team. Yeah. We'll see how they go. Obviously, one of the biggest things is you have to have some help and so maybe not be fortunate, but, but maybe not have the bad luck that comes with injuries that can happen. Some of that can be with the way the coaching staff uses players and rest and, and maintenance days and things like that. But some of it just comes down to, you know, the players staying healthy and playing well. But I think that the goal of this season, and it's weird because there's been a couple of seasons in my 10 years with Dallas that 
there have been good years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15-16, where they won the Western Conference regular season, they were a really good team. Maybe in the playoffs they didn't have the goaltending they would, would have liked. And I, I said, boy, if they had gone out and gotten Ben Bishop for that year, they probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have the Stanley Cup. They were that good of a team. But this this year is the first time I've seen outside media, people from the national, international scene saying, the Dallas Stars are their picks to win a Stanley Cup. You don't usually see that very much. It's more, well, they could be good, but there's holes here or there. This is a pretty complete team. And I think that it's very difficult to say Stanley Cup or bust because we all know that only one of 32 yes. teams can win that. So you can have a really good year and not win the Cup. But, yeah, I, I think that if the Stars have the kind of season that we think they can have, and they're healthy, and they get to the playoffs, and they don't get into at least the third round, Mm -hmm. I think they'd be disappointed. Now, look, if you get to the third round and you have the team that you think you have, you're going to be disappointed if you don't win. But that's my thought, is that, you know, getting to the playoffs this year and saying, well, we're going to – because Jim Neal in the past has said, hey, you just got to get in and then see what happens. Well, just getting in with this team isn't going to be good enough. No. Uh, power play, a bit of a struggle to start. The Flames can definitely echo that sentiment. But 19 of the Stars' 21 goals have been scored at even strength. I think that in itself is very impressive. But why uh, for the why are so uh, the, the struggles early for the, for the power play? Yeah, it's funny because last year the power play was one of the driving factors. Yeah. In fact, it was such a deterrent in the first round of the playoffs against Minnesota that the Wild had to stop running around and doing the kind of shenanigans that they were trying to do to get Dallas off its game because they were just getting punished with power play goals almost ad nauseum, which is hard to say when your team is scoring power play goals. But I I think there's two things. One is the Stars did have some injury issues in training camp. Ropa Hintz didn't play very Mm -hmm. much. Wyatt Johnson wasn't around as much. They didn't get the day-to-day usage in preseason Uh, You know, usually we make a big deal about there's too many preseason games and the guys don't need that much. Jason Robertson proved that last year. He didn't play a single preseason game and score over 100 points. (laughs) And this year, Jake Ottinger didn't get as much time. He he had a offseason ankle injury that he didn't. He he was dealing with it all of last year. We didn't know about it, that he had this. And then the summer, he thought he was going to be able to get away without surgery. The Stars eventually said, we need you to do that. So he actually didn't have as much on-ice time in the summer and in preseason as well. And I'll tell you what, Ottinger has looked really, really good so far, almost to the point of scary good. Of Is he healthier than what he was dealing with last year, which is kind of amazing, and also just another year under his belt. But I, I think to go back to the power play, I think that's all part of it is – that they just didn't have the time in camp to mm-hmm. work it the way they would in the past. It started to look better. The last power play we saw against Columbus, they had four or five decent chances, didn't score, but you know it wasn't a detriment. It wasn't like the Flyers game uh, a week before where the Stars gave up four, uh, three shorthanded goals against, including two on the same power play, yeah. and still won the game, which was a nice bit of NHL history. No team had ever given up three or more shorties yeah. in one game and still won. That's amazing. Yeah, no, they, they, they just they, they they're working it out. I know the Flames do have a, a really good penalty kill, 
So uh, we'll see what happens tonight for sure. Uh, Jason Robertson, uh, you know, maybe a little slow start when it comes to the goals maybe this year, but obviously still an amazing offensive talent, fourth year now in the league. We had a conversation on our show last week about who are, who are the NHL game breakers? Like who can you, you know, who's someone on that team that can put the, their team on their back and do great things on the ice? I had him on my list as, a, as an NHL game, game breaker. Do you think he's got that ability to be, a dude like a lead horse, a top echelon talent in this league to be like a game breaker, I should say. My God, he's a goal scorer. So of yeah, course, yeah. And he has he has the one thing that is the hardest to find, which is the ability to put the puck in the net. <laughs> and so he's not Connor McDavid when it comes to getting the puck and just blowing by the entire team. Yeah. Now, few people are. No, yeah, exactly. He he is a guy that can create his own space. He's bigger and stronger than people give him credit for. You know, he's a big, tall guy. But a lot of times they see him and say, oh, he looks unassuming. He doesn't really look like a big power forward. He wins a lot of battles uh, against the boards. He he comes away with a puck a lot. He's Mm -hmm. persistent. And that's one of the reasons why that whole line, the Avengers line of, you know, Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski is so good. They're obviously incredibly skilled, but it's because of how hard they work and how persistent their forecheck is. They don't give up on plays. And I think that gets sort of lost in the accolades of all their points they put up is the fact that they work so hard. And so I think for Robo, that's really the kind of thing that will set him. That's what puts him to 100 points. The guy just absolutely lives mm-hmm. to score goals. That's what he he's out there as long as they'll let him. Sometimes you have to tell him to get off the ice after <laughs> practice or morning skate because he'll just – Try to. He and Scott Wedgwood, the Stars' backup goalie, have a heated, uh, hilarious rivalry when it comes to these kind of things, and they're just at each other all the time in a really fun way. And it's almost as if he gets life support, uh, you know, life force from scoring on Wedgie and, and on everybody else for that matter. The makeup of this group, like it's a, you got a good chunk of youth, but then there's like. 1,300 games with Joe Pavelski. There's 1,037 with Ben. There's 1,900 almost combined with Duchesne and Sagan uh, with them alongside uh, or you know, alongside Mason Marchment. And then, you know, you, you added one of the more dependable bottom six players I think we've seen in this league over the last 10 years and Craig Smith, who's close to 1,000 games as well. I'm thinking this is one of the more, more, more balanced teams when it comes to line makeup of youth experience, youth experience. Every line's got it. And don't forget that the Stars defenseman Ryan exactly. Suter is the active leader with 1,369 <laughs> games, which is crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's not a young team, it, even though there are a lot of young players. And Old, young second packs, oldest team in the league. Right. And that, when that came out after the opening night rosters, were, it was a little surprising in some regard because we keep thinking about Robertson being relatively young, uh, Wyatt Johnson yep. was a teenager. He's not now, but, and, you know, and, and thinking about some of the kids in the pipeline that Jim Neal has with Logan Stankoven, <laughs> obviously a huge talent coming out of, you know, Canada. Um, Leon Bixel from Switzerland, who is a huge mammoth of a defenseman and can really move. Uh, Maverick Bork from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is, is another guy that really stands out in the Stars pipeline. But with all of that, you've got all those older guys. Jim Nilla has t- talked to us before that he felt like they were dealing with, especially after that team that was really good in 2016, and then they had some injury problems the next year when they were really, um, it was Lindy Ruff's last year as the head coach, 
and they were they had a, a bunch of injury problems. Jason Spets got hurt. Patrick Sharp was dealing with a, yeah. a big issue. Alex Hemsky missed a bunch of games, and they just didn't have the same get up and go as they did the previous year that made them such a fun team. And Neil talked about well, we have to sort of weather this storm, and we may have you know sort of this gap in what he wanted to do. And he always talks about his days in in uh, the Red Wing system in Detroit mm-hmm. because. The, the way to be a persistent playoff team is to constantly be rolling through your your roster in a good way, is to have these phases. You have the, the veterans, you've got the guys sort of peaking in their career, you've got the young guys developing, and then you have the next wave or next couple waves behind that. And Nil said uh, toward the end of last season that he thought that they finally overcame uh, a bit of a, a, a roster hiccup where they thought they might be into a bit of trouble and now he feels like they're really set up for sort of a continual flow of players in and out. And that, that's a really good thing when you mm-hmm. think about not going through these peaks and valleys of the franchise. Talking with Owen Newkirk, Dallas Stars radio host over on the ticket down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, July 1st, free agency, there wasn't a lot of big names out there, but Matt Duchesne was probably one of the biggest fish out there. And he picks Dallas. How's his fit been uh, through the early you know, first month of the year here? Uh, it feels like it was a natural fit. It really does, and he's been great. The big thing is that it's not so much on him, but the chemistry of his line, Shane centering Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchment, yeah. did not start really quickly. And part of that, again, was because Rope Hintz was missing in training camp. So they had Sagan skating with Robertson and Pavelski, and so he had a couple different guys playing with Duchesne and Marchment, and it just didn't look the way they thought it would. That changed uh, really at the end of the Pittsburgh game last week when they uh, the coaching staff moved Marchment down to the fourth line and then started him on the fourth line against Toronto last Thursday. Mm-hmm. He had his best game of the season to date and really started to go. And by Monday, he was playing backup, starting with Duchesne and Sagan. And that line had really good game actually I thought they were the best line on the ice against the Blue Jackets Duchesne has hit four I mean we hit five posts against Columbus and I say we as if I had anything to do with it the team had <laughs> I get five you. posts, and the Stars still scored five goals so they could have yeah. had more quite a bit more Duchesne has been a consistent sort of barrager of NHL goal frames and but the the thing that really stands out, we've seen him. He, we know he's a top talent. He's a second overall pick. The guy is an elite skill player. Mm-hmm. But he he's just a wizard with the puck, and he holds on to pucks a lot more than you'd see a lot of some guys will do, where they are always trying to just move it along. He's looking to protect it. He makes incredible passes. Mason Marchment has been very unlucky, where he had two goals disallowed both of which set up by Duchesne uh, for offsides in the first couple of games, one against Columbus, which was, I mean, it was by letter of the law offside, but it was such an innocuous thing that it felt like it wasn't in the spirit of things. Um, it, he, you know, DeBoer has been saying that Duchesne's been, uh, uh, he's been very happy with his game. And he finally got his first goal, which I think is a big deal for Matt, just to get that off of his back, even though he's played well. The thing that, that really stood out to me, though, is that, you talk about the veteran group, you know, Craig, Craig Smith coming in and he was an instant um, comfort with this group. He seemed yeah. like he fit really well when they traded for Scott Wedgwood uh, back a year and a half ago, Wedgwood came in late in the season. 
he seemed like an instant fit. Uh, if Genny Dodonov started playing mm-hmm. with Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnson, it looked like they've been playing together for years when they traded for him last year. And Matthew Shane fits with this group. And you give a lot of credit to Jamie Benn, Joe Pavelski, Miro Haskinen, Ryan Suter. Uh, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, why, why is this room setting up so well that a Matt Duchesne can come in and, and be pretty comfortable quickly. And, and he, I, you know, I talked to Matt, uh, I think it was the, after the first or second game of the season about this. And he said, boy, it's been almost seamless. And he's really been comfortable with this group already. We talked about Jake Ottinger and him a little bit earlier and him dealing most of last season with a, with an ankle injury and he still put together a Vesna caliber type year and he had the surgery and then, oh, look, he's got a 940 save and a sub two goals against uh, to start this year. Chance he's the best goalie in the NHL? I mean, I think he's putting up a decent case for it. He hasn't lost a game in regulation yet, so five <laughs> starts and he's 4-0-1. Um Look, you guys have seen it firsthand oh, yeah. in the playoffs two years ago. You know exactly what he's capable of. But that the crazy part about what he did in that series is the fact that he'd never played an NHL Stanley Cup playoff game mm-hmm, before, mm-hmm. before playing against the Flames in that first-round series. So now you fast-forward. Last year was the first year he was the out-and-out starter on an NHL roster for the whole season because he sort of took over late in that year before – uh, the Stars bowed out in seven to the Flames. This year, he's healthy, which is scary because we didn't know that he was dealing with it. We knew he missed a couple of games here and there earlier in yeah. the season last year, and we knew there was something there but didn't know it was a persistent nagging thing. Um, and, and there was some talk about him kind of running out of steam in the playoffs because as good as he was against Minnesota, he wasn't as good in the second and mm-hmm. third round. Didn't have quite that that otherworldly domination in the crease. And this may be part of it. But I also think that Jake, who has that, as most goalies do, desire to play every single night all the time, maybe started to clue into, okay, I get why you guys don't want me to go out of practice today. Or I know why you don't, you know, we, this is what we're going to do. You know, Scott Wedgwood only made 18 starts last year. And part of that was because Wedgwood dealt with a couple injuries and the team wants, him to be in the 25 to 27, 30 starts Wedgwood so that Jake Ottinger's not playing 60 plus games. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be really important because I think Jake Ottinger has the physical tools and the mental tools to be a guy that, that pushes Vasilevsky for that title of best goalie in the world. Uh, it, it is a back-to-back. The stars will be in Edmonton tomorrow. Is, any sense of who it will be Ottinger tonight or Wedgwood? Boy, you know, we've been debating that because I think so. Um, I get the feeling that we would see, especially Jake played so well against Columbus, that he'd come right back out against Calgary, and then you see Wedgwood against Edmonton. It's going to be obviously a split for the first two. That way it would set up for Ottinger to play on Saturday in Vancouver. But that being said, we also thought that when the Stars uh, were playing on the road last uh, or two weeks ago, that – after playing in Vegas, that we were going to see Wedgwood against Anaheim and then Ottinger uh, against the the Flyers. And Jake went right back out and played against the Ducks, and then Wedgwood got the home game against Philadelphia. Um, And then, honestly, this past week, Jake was fantastic against Pittsburgh. I mean, 38 saves. He was just unbeatable. And they went with Wedgwood on Thursday against 
Toronto, which we thought it would be Ottinger because mm. the, the month of October for Dallas, they only played seven games. Yeah. It was really spread out. You could have gone with Jake all seven if you really wanted to. So that's my sort of convoluted way of saying I don't know. <laughs> my guess would be you'd see Ottinger, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went the other way there. I uh, have made it this uh, 20 minutes into our conversation. I haven't even talked about Miro Heiskanen yet. Uh, he found another offensive gear, jumped nearly 40 points from uh, the year previous. I, I don't know if he's Kale McCarr quite yet, but like, where's he at in the realm of NHL defensemen? Because I, like, I think I, like, I, I think GVP, our producer, picked him as a, a Norris winner. I had him as I think I had him behind Darlene, but still, like, where's he at in the realm of NHL defensemen? It's only 24. Well, I. I think he's the top of the list. And the, the, the difference is, is Miro is not Eric Carlson, mm-hmm. and he's probably not Kale McCarr in the, fence, in the sense that he's not a pure dominant offensive defenseman. Can mm-hmm. he do that? Absolutely. In fact, I remember uh, one of our former roster players who was back here, Justin Dowling, was back in town with his wife, was having a baby, and uh, happened to bump into him at practice last year. And... I, we were watching Miro do something, and he goes, you know what the crazy thing is? Is that Miro could go by everybody every shift. He goes, it's just not his – that's not who he is. He's a team guy. He's a pass-first guy. I, I actually did an interview with Miro yesterday that we're going to run during our Edmonton pregame show tomorrow night, and Miro said that he is a pass-first guy, but he's just working on trying to get into positions to shoot a little bit more himself because he understands – that he has to put up the kind of points that he has, or you know, that he did last year just to be in the conversation because he wants to win a Norse. He wants to be considered the best defenseman in the world. To me, the difference between Miro and the guys I mentioned, McCarr, you mentioned Darlene, obviously Eric Carlson, is that I think he's the best defensive defenseman yep. of that group by yep. far. And, and that's what I think you'll start to see, especially as the Stars are getting more attention in the playoff run they had, you know, look, the, the voters that are in other markets, especially we always talk about Toronto. Toronto has probably 15 guys voting, you know, men and women voting for end of season awards. Dallas has like one or two, depending on the year. And so, again, we're not just trying to put on Toronto. We could talk about Calgary. Calgary has, I'm sure, a much larger well, sure, for sure. of the Professional Hockey Writers Association than Dallas does. And so because of that, Miro really has to play – on, you know, he, we see it all the time. He has this elite level, but he doesn't always get seen on the national no. or international site. He has a great game. You know, you, you always feel that pressure from a broadcaster's perspective of you want your guys to really show out when you're in Toronto or in Calgary, exactly. Vancouver, because that's when people see it. But what really matters is when they're in the playoffs, because yeah. then everybody sees it. Yeah, no. So I it... think with Miro, I think that people have realized wow, he's one of the few guys that can go toe-to-toe with a guy like McDavid and actually win a battle with speed and defensive stick work. And he's just in, he's an incredible defensive player. And the fact that he can also you know, now run a power play and score 70-plus points, I think that, you know, not to go on and on about him, but he is an incredible guy. The, to win the Norris, you have to build up over multiple seasons to get the cred. It's almost like you have to pay your dues to eventually go, okay, we get it. You're good enough. Now you'll get our vote. Unless you do something like Carlson did, where you score a hundred something points as a defenseman and just blow everybody away offensively. I think you have to earn it over multiple seasons. 
No, yeah, he'll be for sure a player I'm going to be watching tonight and tomorrow when he goes up against uh, you know, two of the best in the world, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh Just last one for you, Owen. Obviously, uh, you got the Stars going on, but also it's a big night in town. Like The Texas Rangers might be winning their first World Series <laughs> uh, in team history. Also, you got FC Dallas playing Game 2 against Seattle uh, on Saturday in the MLS playoffs. How How's the vibe around town? You know, World Series coming your way? Well, it's it's very rare that the Dallas Cowboys yeah. have a home game against the L.A. Rams on a Sunday afternoon, and it's not the lead story in this market, yeah. right? I mean, Cowboys here are like the Flames, the Maple Leafs, yep. you name it, in their markets, it's the same, right? It's it's all Cowboys all the time, and obviously this is a big sports town, and they, they have the appetite for everything. As many cities do, Dallas loves a winner, and – so, for example, last night, I take my boys out trick or treating. They are in middle school, but they're not. They haven't aged out of that yet, yeah, which yeah. is great. And so we go trick or treating. It's I think we it's about eight o'clock our time when we said, okay, it's about two hours. We're wrapping that up. And they came back with a massive haul of candy. Turn on the game. I know there were TVs showing that the game was on. It started around seven locally, and. So every now and then you go trick-or-treating, somebody's handing out candy and they've got a game going out of their garage or something like that. But it didn't really see the score. It had just gotten started, and then we kind of were in an area where we didn't see it. So I, we come home, start to peel off the costumes, turn on the TV, and it's 10 nothing Rangers in the middle of the third. And you, yeah. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> that wasn't it. So it's very exciting. Um, I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan. I grew up in Maine as a New Englander. I went through a lot of lows as a Red Sox fan before a lot of highs, so I Mm -hmm. can't complain about that. Kind of like being a Patriots fan. They were tremendous when I was a kid, but the last 20 years have been pretty fun. So you won't hear me complain. Although it's been a tough year to watch the Patriots play every week. So, look, I'm a, uh, a fan of the Rangers because nobody expected them to be at this stage. they, They have this sort of intentional turnaround. They signed Bruce Bochy. They started making some big free agent signings last year and then added more this year. Uh, you lose a guy like Jacob DeGrom early in the season, you're thinking it's not going very well. And then it's just this team sort of it, – it's it's the kind of thing that around here people say it might, might just be that freaking team. That's sort of the, mm-hmm. the feeling that everyone's getting. And, look – all you hear about when you talk about Rangers until this World Series run is what happened in their previous trips, especially in 2011 yep. against Cardinals. St. Louis yep. and the the collapse in Game Six and then losing Game Seven David and being down to their last strike. <laughs> yes, so that stings a lot in Rangers land down here, and that's pretty cool. Now FC Dallas. Uh, it, it was a tough one in Seattle the other night. Yeah. I had, unfortunately, um, obviously, I love doing both Stars and FCD, and unfortunately, it was a conflict. So I was doing the Stars game. I couldn't broadcast game one up in Seattle, but I had the game on, which is, of course, great for both jobs when you're split-watching exactly. two different directions. I didn't like the penalty call early. They lost Alan Velasco to injury in the first half. It, things did not go well for Dallas in Seattle on, uh, in game one on Monday. You're hopeful that you get a chance. I, I've heard a lot of people say they don't like this MLS format, this new best of three. I actually kind of like it as a hockey guy. Yeah, I don't mind it. 
if you went up to Seattle after a 34-game regular season and you had that game happen to you, a call you didn't like, a couple of chances missed, a big player injured, and you lose, you're out. That's it. Thanks for playing. Well, guess what? We have at least one home playoff game coming up this weekend, and if you can win that, you can force a decisive game three. I think it's really cool, and uh, there's still a lot to be excited about, but it, uh, Dallas FC Dallas has had a tough year with a lot of injuries and it's been a roller coaster, but they're the kind of team that can win if they get things going their way. But boy, it didn't look good the other night. I, I do want to say, I, I ask you though, a couple more with the stars. Uh, have you, is, has sure. Joe, has Joe Pavelski tipped his hand at what he wants to do at the end of the year? I mean, he doesn't, obviously not slowing down production wise, but he is 39 free agent at the end of the year. Is he, Hey, just taking it, uh, you know, game by game, day by day, month by month type thing. Yeah, I, I honestly, and I can't speak for Joe, but yeah. my hunch is it's, it's, it, he's cup hunting right now. Of course. Right? I think if the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup this year, it would be the opportunity for Joe Pavelski to call it a career if he so mm-hmm. choose, chose to do so. The way he's playing, he seems like he could play forever. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible f- professional. He does everything the right way. It's really remarkable how he goes about his business and how many guys have started to mimic and follow his lead in Dallas. And I think that that'll pay off in spades with the younger guys that have been adopting his methods of training and preparation and work on and off the ice. Boy, you can't, you can't put a price on what that's done for Wyatt Johnson mm-hmm. and Ty Delandria and all those young guys that watch him play. And uh, that being said, I don't see this as his last year unless they win it because I think he still has the drive and the hunger. They like Dallas. He and his family are happy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good setup for his son who's playing hockey here and, and doing well. And my personal thought is, is that he is, if he, if they win a Stanley cup, I, I could see Ryan Suter and Joe Pavelski going, you know what? That's the one thing I was missing in my career. Yeah. And if not, We'll see him next year. Well, for sure. Oh, and thank you very much for uh, for taking uh, some time and spending a little extra with me here to talk about uh, the Rangers, FC Dallas, and, of course, the Dallas Stars. Uh, you know, best of luck the rest of the way this year, and I'm sure we'll talk again very soon, buddy. Thank you, Patrick. I know it's. I looked at the schedule this morning, and it's, it's not my favorite, but we'll see each other three times yeah. in the month of November. Yeah. And then not again this year, which is, to me, a bad look. But we'll get a lot of stars, Flames, in this month. Yeah, I know the Flames and Oilers only played three times last year, and they were all done by the end of December. So uh, yeah, the NHL scheduling is a little messy, but uh, yeah, for sure. Ask we'll, we'll... me next time about my uh, theory about what what should be done to fix that because I I have some strong feelings about divisional games in a oh, divisional okay. playoff format. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll maybe the last game of the year we'll have you back, or last game <laughs> of this month with the Stars and Flames, we'll have you back on. And we'll talk a little more about that. Owen, oh, thank you. All the best, buddy. Thanks, Patrick. There you go. Owen Newkirk, Dallas Stars radio host, also play-by-play uh, for FC Dallas uh, in the MLS. Uh, love our chats with Owen. He's, uh, he's one of the best. And, man, this Stars team, we talked about it even in the break here when we were just shooting and whatnot. With, Where's, the weakness? Quite a, Where's the weakness no here with idea. this Dallas Stars team? It's, it's it, Oh, their power play's not clicking right now. Well, they I mean, score it even it out, strength right? like a monster. And, yeah, they'll figure it out. That stuff will just come along. But... Right now, they stay healthy the way this group is, and I'm sure they'll 
they'll add something to them come uh, come uh, trade deadline day. But this, this is a good group, and hey, maybe it's a good measuring stick game for the for the Calgary Flames. You'd get up for this. I know if you. You I mean, could have got up for the your provincial rival in the outdoor game. If you didn't get up for the Heritage Classic exactly. against the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think there's a game on the schedule yeah. outside of like a do or die make the playoff type you've game that you can get up for. You've got a very but, co- a quality it feels opponent. feels like that here anyway. Yeah, you got a quality opponent coming into town tonight with the, with the Dallas Stars. Uh, uh, really super interested to watch this defense core. Miro Heishkinen, Essa Lindell. Uh, Thomas Harley's another young one that's coming up as well. You know, we, we Ryan uh, Suter. Owen mentioned it, Joe Pavelski. Excuse me, uh, aging like a fine wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Jason Robertson. I feel like he's, if he's not already, he's going to turn into one of the elite goal scorers in the NHL. And, and, and I think Rupe Hints. I think Rupe Hints is maybe Rupe. one of the more yeah Rupe. <laughs> I think he's one of the more uh, underrated first line centers in the league 100%, too. Like he's, 100%. he's last two seasons, he's been at a point per game, and the season before just a little bit under. He's you know, got a lot of speed. He was excellent in the postseason yeah. last year. Um, I, I think Matt Duchesne was a great pickup for them to add on their third line. This is a guy who scored 40 goals just as recent as two years ago yep. with the Nashville Predators. So this is a scary team. It is a very, and it is a very good point that you made when, uh, you know, every single line they have here is, is balanced with, with youth and experience. Like Wyatt Johnson paired with Jamie Benn, you know, uh, Robertson with Pavelski. And yep. you can go up and down this lineup. Yeah, Craig They're Smith on that team. bottom line, on that fourth line as well. Like It's an impressive group. We'll see what happens. Jake Ottinger may be the goalie tonight. Maybe get Scott Wedgwood tomorrow in Edmonton, but we shall see. Uh, puck drop. Well, it, note the puck drop for this one. We'll be on there at 5.30 with uh, Flames pregame show, and then the puck drop will be at 6.30 tonight uh, for the Flames and Stars. We'll be all over it like a dirty shirt. Uh, coming around around the corner, uh, we'll uh, probably play a little uh, audio from yesterday. Uh, Flames practiced as well. Uh, some new lines, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, keep it locked right here. Big Show Hour 4, Sports 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Hour for the big show. Get you set for uh, Calgary Flames game day. They welcome the Dallas Stars to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome tonight. 6.30 puck drop, 5.30 pregame show right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, you can also watch it over on Sportsnet West. Uh, I want to get you caught up on some of the news of the day that's uh, that trickled in throughout uh, our show. Uh, the Washington Capitals and Nick Backstrom are set to make a... Uh, uh, and a, a statement on Friday, 1245, it seems like Nicholas Backstrom is going to be uh, taking some time to step away from the game of hockey. Uh, given his ongoing injury situation, he was uh, one of the many players, handful of players that has gone for uh, hip resurfacing surgery. Um, and it has been good. I think like, Shea Weber. Is that what Patrick barely, Kane went under? Patrick Kane went, on, yeah. uh, is, went underwent it. I think that's what Sean Monaghan underwent. Uh, Shea Weber had it didn't last long. Yeah. After having it, 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 it just hearing resurfacing of said hip. I haven't really looked I mean, at what especially the heck... in, especially in the sport of hockey. Right? Exactly, <laughs> where your hips are the most one of the most important parts of your body. Uh, you need those, but uh, we'll see. It's not an official retirement. Uh, it sounds like from Nicholas Backstrom, but he is taking some time uh, to step away from the game of hockey. Obviously, uh, him and Ovechkin. Uh, He's the all-time leader in uh, in Capitals assists with 762. How many of those for Ovechkin goals? Uh, 1,033 points, 1,100 career games. Uh, yeah, tough one for Nick Backstrom, one of the, the highest-scoring Swedish players of all time. Uh, another uh, thing I want to say from the uh, from the NFL, obviously the uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, went clean house overnight sending out Josh McDaniels, their head coach, GM Dave Ziegler, and uh, just recently uh, their offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi. Uh, 
Jimmy Garoppolo is benched. He will not be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Uh, this is according from Ian Rappaport. Raiders are expected to be making rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell the starter this week and going forward. Jimmy G to the bench. Uh, the promising O'Connell now gets his shot as uh, you got to figure out something with that Las Vegas Raiders organization. It seems like everybody that goes there just ends up hating it uh, for what once was one of the most proud franchises in the National Football League. It looks like an absolute joke uh, with how they treated Derek Carr there at the end of his uh, his tenure. Um, obviously, the players they've drafted have obviously had off-the-field issues as well. Uh, it's a mess mess big mess in the AFC West there for the Las Vegas Raiders uh yeah but I mentioned it it is a Calgary Flames game day uh Connor Zari he was called up yesterday it was the big big news around here uh he's obviously been scoring like crazy down with the Wranglers what more can he do uh well he spoke to the media yesterday ahead of his call up and uh he should be getting in the lineup tonight he was uh what was his uh did you see it happen to see what who he's paired with uh no was it Kadri? might have been hold on hold on a sec uh I think it was Kadri. Might have been. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it was, it was the third line. He was the right wing. He was the third line right wing beside Kadri there yesterday at practice. Dylan Dubé was on a maintenance day. Uh, he might have got banged up there in the Heritage Classic. Well, let's hear from Connor Zari as he gets his, uh, gets to set to make his NHL debut tonight against the Dallas Stars. Very special, I think, to get that call yesterday. I was kind of just sitting on the couch day off, but I uh, got a call from Brad Pascal, and he kind of is the first one to give me the news. And... Uh, I think of a kid uh, playing hockey, that's, that's your dream kind of phone call. So uh, it was pretty special to get that one. What about the opportunity not to, uh, you know, whether it's in tomorrow or not, obviously don't know this yet, but um, just about the opportunity ahead of you and how you can make the most of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's to come. Obviously, uh, tomorrow's a new day and we'll, we'll see what happens at the, with the lineup and everything. But when I get my chance, when I get my opportunity, I just think most, make the most out of it. It's, it's going to be special no matter when it comes and, and I'm going to want to take it all in. But at the same time, uh, make an impression, take advantage of that opportunity. Was kind of today the first step of that, the, you know, to make an impression, obviously your first practice? Yeah, I think it's just good to get on the ice with this, uh, this group and, and uh, get back to the, to the highest level and, and kind of get that pace going. And, and yeah, like you said, it's just nice to be around here. What makes you feel ready for this opportunity and, and to take advantage of it? Yeah, I think just how I've uh, developed my game over the last couple of years. I think I had a really good season last year and, and built a lot of strengths and, and built a lot of areas, not not only with the puck, but away from the puck in my game last year. And then I think continue that into into the camp this year and, and, and thought I had a pretty pretty good camp and, and showed well. And then I was able to carry that into regular season in the American League and, and started to have some success personally and as a team, and I think that's uh, what kind of springboarded me to this opportunity. Who was the first person you called uh, after you got the news? Uh, the first person I called was my mom. Uh, she she was kind of at home a little sick, but uh, I think it cheered her up uh, quite a bit to, to kind of hear that I was going to get the opportunity to come up here. What was the kind of key to the, you said you felt like you were good in camp and then rolled over. What, what's been the key to your season in the A so far? I think just sticking to what I've been good at, playing with confidence and and I've been playing the wing now the, the first last little bit of camp and, and the first six games in the American League, so the first month or, or whatnot here. And, and I think I felt really comfortable there. I found my stride. I think I've been able to play with a little bit more speed being on the wing. And, and uh, like I said, if I can play with that pace and move pucks quick, it's going to allow me to open up opportunities, especially in the offensive zone. There you go. There's Connor Zari, uh, the new f- the, the call-up, the fresh call-up uh, from the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, he, he skated on a line yesterday uh, with uh, Nazem Kadri and Yegor Sharangovich. 
I'm uh, just uh, tiptoeing here as I bring up his stats uh, for what he's had this season so far with the Calgary Wranglers. Um, you know, it just feels it, it's you know it's another one like Jacob Pelche last year, Matt Coronado making the team this year. What are like? I get it. We're trying to find any sort of co- scoring combination here, but what is yeah. what, are, what should be the expectations here for Carnazar? He's a first round pick, not too long uh, ago. He's he's one of the top prospects in the organization. But like expectations in this game, do you mean? Well, yeah, not even the expectations for this game. I mean, sure, like you'd love a goal, an assist, whatever, just some sort of contribution from the guy. But like, what what should we view Carnazar as? You think? Um, like I've heard you and George kind of discuss this a little bit. Um, yeah, 58 like, points last year, 21 goals, 37 assists in his uh, second full year of pro hockey. He's coming up, was coming off 25 points. So he's, he was a big improvement from his first year uh, yeah. of pro hockey. Like, I, I think he's going to... 10 points in six games to start this year. Yeah, like, I think... I, yeah, I mean, he, he does have good stats in the American Hockey League right now, but I think people underestimate how big of a jump the it, it is from the American Hockey League to the NHL. Like, Matthew Phillips was one of the better scorers in the American mm-hmm. Hockey League, and he's you know, only found a job in the NHL this season, mm-hmm. right? So, um, like, the Flames have, like, some some prospects in our system that's like, okay, these guys are going to turn into NHLers, but I'm not sure if we have anyone that's, like... like top t- six. Like, we don't, we don't have a... Obviously, we don't have a Bedard. Like, no one else no. really does. But we don't even have a guy like... Like, I, I feel like a, a Matty Beneers is even, like, a, a decent comparable. Like, Seattle's got this guy turned into, like, a first-line player. Like, like... Is Connor's already going to potentially turn into a first line player? He he can. It's too early to say. Um, but but for right now, a lot of the guys we have in our prospect system, they're just you know going to be yeah. I mean, bottom any, line anybody, players, third exactly. line players for the little while. Anybody you know? who comes in here, which is fine. You need those guys exactly. But. I think anybody that comes in here who's a who's a top prospect in in this organization, we do tend to get a little little excited because we yeah. haven't seen a lot of them click. Uh, but it's weird. It was coming out. Of, he was he was the twenty twenty draft pick. So again, it was his his last year of junior was really affected by COVID, and and then obviously heading into his 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 draft uh, after the year he was drafted, COVID was still really affecting things. So it's really tough to evaluate those type of players. So you want to give him a run. Obviously, if he he looks out of sorts tonight, don't freak out. You want to give him ten game run here and see what he can do because. Something's got to click. Somebody's got to step up here. Somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to do something. Like I, I don't, I don't blame the organization for you know bringing up a guy trying no. to spark plug anything. But and he well, earned it. He was yeah. the next one up. Yeah, but if the Flames are gonna find some some, some success with these players, uh, they we gotta have. Is it they the, gotta do more than we gotta come back on the air the next day after a game and say, oh, Connor's already worked hard, yeah. or Dryden Hunt and Dryden Hunt worked hard last yeah, night. Yeah. If you're up here and given an opportunity, prove it. Like Make the, the most of it. The, the call-ups do feel obviously like I don't know. I don't want to say it's a panic type maneuver, but you could interpret it that way. You can definitely interpret it as like, okay, well, none of these guys who we obviously came into the season with have clicked, but now we're already like, obviously, like the defenseman side, like Rasmus Anderson being out for four games, you give Soloviev a, a look and mm-hmm. you try rotate your defenseman, but. Is this could this be interpreted a bit as as a panic move as like well none of these other wingers are doing a damn thing I I think so I I honestly think Jonathan Huberto is the the linchpin to this entire season for the Calgary Flames if like even even though as bad as he's been he's still our best player yep and if if he if he is playing below par you can make an argument that we have almost 
no wingers on our roster that can really play a top six role. Yep. I I, I think that's a I, fair I that's assessment a, that's to say. That's a totally because, fair assessment. Like I've said before, Dylan Dubé has gotten opportunities, and George even said it. Like he's kind of is what he is right now in his NHL career. Majapani, you know, is a streaky player. I don't know if he has Very. enough consistency to be a top consistent six. top six guy. So it 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 all it all comes down to Huberto. If Huberto has a great season, we're going to be in the hunt. If he doesn't, we're we're going to be you know what we kind of are right now. And you know, I, I think you, I think Calgary's got to buckle up for that. Really, yeah. And it starts tonight. Uh, you want to put everything that month of October behind you because it was not good. Um, it hasn't been good for about three weeks now. So uh, we'll see what it is. You have a brutal. Stan- yeah, you have a Stanley Cup contender in the building tonight. Um, then you're back out on the road in Seattle on Saturday. But getting two points tonight, just show some. Just show me some. Show us all something. We'll be on the air 5.30 with Flames pregame show, 6.30 puck drop with Flames and the Stars postgame to follow that with your calls and your texts with Pat Steinberg. Uh, For everybody involved in today's show, uh, for Dave Dickinson, for Colin Patterson, for joining us in studio, Owen Newkirk for GVP, thank you so much. All those interviews are up on our our Spotify, podcast, Apple, Google. It's all up there uh, for your listening purposes. Jeff Merrick's show is up next. Haley Salvian will be on the show uh, Eric Francis will also be on the show, and Greg Wyshynski, and Eric Stevens. So a lot of good hockey chat coming your way over the next couple hours. That's next. We'll be back tomorrow with Joey Chestnut in studio. Keep it locked right here. Sportsnet 960 Fan.